The Saints are in Philadelphia trying to keep that season alive. The Tigers of LSU are playing in the Citrus Bowl on Monday. And how about those two-lane green wave going up against the USC Trojans and maybe the biggest football game for Tulane in many, many decades. And I'm even talking about 1998. We've got a lot to talk about, including Best Best with Uncle Big Nick. It's coming up on Datitude. The final show of 2022 is next. If you're looking for the latest scoop and in-depth interviews on the Saints, the NFL, the Pelicans, LSU, along with the best bets of the week, then lucky you. Along with high-powered, in-the-know guests who cover our teams, Jim Derry brings plenty of datitude. And he'll always tell you the way it is, or at least the way he thinks it is. Where are you at, New Orleans? Hello to all my friends all over the country, and maybe even elsewhere, who can't wait to throw 2022 in the trash can. And for those of you that had a wonderful, great 2022, well, goody for you. 2022 kind of sucked. I got to be honest. I mean, I guess it could be worse. Could have been 2020. 2020 really sucked. But I'm not just talking about the sports world. I'm just talking about it. We're ready to move on. We are going to be positive, as positive as we possibly can today on Datitude, episode number 20, no, not 20, episode number 128, there you go, for a Friday, December the 30th, 2022, our final show of this year. I am Jim Derry, sports betting writer at the Times Picayune, the advocate and bet.nola.com. And we're not going to spend, I know I say this all the time, but I'm really, we've got a long show today. We talked to Jeff Duncan for quite a while about all sorts of things. We talked about Saints Eagles. We talked about Saints future. We talked about quarterback situation. We talked about the whole Peyton and Brady thing. We talked about who could be quarterbacking for the Saints next year including the potential Brady. It ain't happening. Not to give any spoiler alerts or anything. We gave our predictions. We talk about LSU playing Purdue in the Citrus Bowl. We play. We talk about Tulane playing USC in the Cotton Bowl. We talk about the Pelicans and their stretch coming up. Starts tonight in the Smoothie King Center. Final game of a homestand uh, against the Philadelphia 76ers before they go on the road. New Year's Eve in Memphis. And then uh, going to Philly on January 2nd. So a lot going on in local sports action over the net course of the next few days. You know, I never got to ask Duncan about his, uh, his New Year's column. He is kind of, he took that role from Pete Finney. Those of you older than, I don't know, 40-ish, I guess. You remember Pete Finney's New Year's column every year. I look forward to it and a little, some humor and some, some, prognosticating going on. It was meant to be entertaining. And Jeff Duncan has taken that column over, and he has done it better than anyone could have possibly done it, except for the late, great Pete Finney himself. So looking forward to that coming out. Uh, But we start with the New Orleans Saints and uh, their game against the Philadelphia Eagles. You're saying there's a chance. 
there is a 3% chance. So that means, yes, there is a chance. If the Saints win their final two games of the season against the Philadelphia Eagles and the Carolina Panthers, the Panthers defeat the Buccaneers on Sunday, and then the Tampa Bay Bucks lose to Atlanta next week. The Saints, yes, the New Orleans Saints are the champions of the NFC South and will host most likely the Dallas Cowboys in the first round of the playoffs. But I wouldn't get your hopes up. First off, beyond anything, is they have to beat a Philadelphia Eagles team that is 13-2 and and still has something to play for in Week 17 because they have yet to clinch their own division and have yet to clinch the number one seed, which can still be taken from them by the Minnesota Vikings. I believe the 49ers also have a chance a slight chance to win the number one seed. So this is not over. And that being said, there is talk that Jalen Hurts, who has a bum throwing shoulder, is going to play. And I think he's going to. I mean, the, the betting line, and I'll get to this again with Dunk in a minute, but the betting line tells me that Jalen Hurts is going to play. I, it, I don't know why he would play. It's kind of hard to believe he would play. But that's what the betting line is telling me. It started off at seven or six and a half, depending on where you looked. Dropped down to five briefly before going back to five and a half when it looked like Gardner Minshew was going to play. But now there's so much speculation that Hurts is going to play, it's going back up to six and a half. So that tells me that there's some, there are quite a few sharps out there that think he's going to play. And if, it gets, if you like the Saints in this game, and I don't, it's another spoiler alert. But if you do and you want to bet on the Saints in this game, don't bet it now. I would wait until it's announced because I think there's a better than 50% chance that Jalen Hurts starts this game. And when they announce that, that spread's going to probably go up to 7.5. So you could get the Saints at a, at a value. Do not bet it now. Wait to bet that if that's what you want. It And conversely, if you want to bet on the Eagles, do that now. Because that's not going to stay. It's not going to go lower than 6.5 unless... It's announced Gardner Minshew is going to be the quarterback. And even then, the lowest it'll go, I think, is five and a half. So I think you take the chance. If you want to bet on the Eagles, you do that now. LSU is a 14 and a half point favorite over Purdue. Uh, we'll get into that in our predictions there. Tulane is a two point underdog to the Heisman Trophy winner, Kayla Williams, who likely will start in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, we'll see how long he plays, if that is the case. Um, but uh, Tulane. Playing a big boy and a team that will probably, oh, I say probably, almost certainly be ranked in the top five to start the season next year. So, interesting matchup. We talked about the Pelicans a little bit. So, Saints-Eagles uh, are first and foremost in our minds. And I told you it was going to be a short monologue because we're going to get to Jeff Duncan right now because we have a lot to say. Dunk, what is going on? Well, I had to, I had to pull a... Uh a Drew Brees at the line of scrimmage and call an audible here at the last minute. That's why I'm scrambling around. My, you know, we got storms in the area, knocked out all my power, knocked out my internet. Power's back, internet's not. So what can I say? I'm not the most tech-savvy guy in the world. I'm doing my best with my phone. Man, you are a trooper then. I mean, you you have done a great job. I, I got to tell you, I delayed eight to one odds that you would have not, if you would have told me that happened just before we were supposed to go on, I would have laid eight to one odds your face would not be on my screen right now. I know. The power of technology. And look, it happened five minutes before we went on. Uh, just that, is, that, is, 
massively those impressive. Of, one of those little blinks of power, you know, that's all it took. Just a little. Yeah, blink. I, we, we've had a couple blinks here uh, this morning. Luckily, I think the worst is through, so I just jinx myself. And if I go off the air, I lay 100 to 1 odds that Jeff Duncan doesn't know how to finish this show. That's uh, true. So, so uh, I don't, I'd have to go figure that out on my own with my phone. So um, we are here this morning. Lots of things to talk about. If you want to join the show and be a part of it, comment stream on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, we would love to have you. All you got to do is post a comment, and it will show up in my stream, and we will show it on the air, assuming it is relevant to what we're talking about. Um, or not vulgar. Or not vulgar, right? It doesn't have to be relevant. You can say Happy New Year if you want. I mean, just just don't be just don't be a jerk. I mean, that's all we ask, really. We get enough of that and uh, other social in our email, <laughs> Twitter. All right, <laughs> let's let's start here. Um, we're gonna kind of go all over the place. Usually, we spend this show talking about the Saints, but uh, we're gonna kind of go all over the place. But I do want to start with the Saints because, Dunk, there are um, some. Fans out there, and God bless them. I, I think if you're all, if you're excited about the possibility of the Saints going to the playoffs, good for you. Uh, there is a chance. So you're saying there's a chance. Yes, I am saying there's a chance. The Saints beat the Eagles on Sunday. If Carolina beats Tampa Bay on Sunday, the Saints will be alive for the NFC South Championship heading into the final week of the 2022-23 season. Yeah, and then all they'd have to do is beat Carolina, I think, in in New Orleans uh, to get in. But uh, there's a lot of work that has to be done for that to happen. I don't. I just think this weekend is about as bad a matchup as the Saints could possibly have. No question. The only, the only thing that that is in their favor is Jalen Hurts might not play. I mean, otherwise it looks pretty ugly in every factor for me. So uh, the fact that Philly ended up. Losing to Dallas the week before did the Saints no favors. They've got to have this game. Uh, I just I don't see, barring a bunch of turnovers by Gardner Minshew and fumbles, or I just don't see how they can keep pace with Philly because I think Philly's going to score some points. Well, let's get right into the matchup because, and I don't usually go into this this early, uh, but when you look at some of these numbers, I'm going to show you some things that should be scary for you because. The Eagles are the best in the NFL against the pass. So that is not good news for Andy Dalton fans across the Datitude platform here. And I don't know what the hell is going on with Alvin Kamara. We've seen some weird things going on. He missed some practice because of quote-unquote personal reasons. And Dennis Allen's response was, well, let him tell you. Well, of course he's not going to tell you. Um, And then you look at some of the other matchups, and the the Eagles are just – we saw what happened last year against the Eagles. I think it was 40-29 to or somewhere along those lines. Fourth in rushing offense, that's a lot because of Jalen Hurts. Ninth in passing offense, that's all because of Jalen Hurts. Third in total offense, the Saints have been much better against the pass, but you kind of have to take that second-place ranking dunk with a grain of salt because last last week they basically gave up nothing against Deshaun Watson, that sheet of ice. But I'm not taking away from how the Saints have improved on defense over the past few weeks. No, I just feel like uh, you know this game is going to come down to a lot of games in the NFL, trench warfare. The Saints won that battle last week against Cleveland. It's a whole different level of, of competition this week. The Eagles have the best offensive line in the NFL, even without Lane Johnson, who's not going to play their starting right tackle. Their offensive line, I think, sending three guys to the Pro Bowl. And their defensive line, 
Uh, I tell you who they remind me of, Jim, and, and old school Saints fans will remember this. The first Saints team I ever covered was the 2000 Saints. Uh, Jim Hazlitt's first year. They had Leroy Glover, Darren Howard, Norman Han, uh, Joe Johnson. Playoff victory. Yes, they had 66 sacks that year, a franchise record. They'll never break that record again. I don't think. I don't think we'll see that happen. Uh, the Eagles have 60 sacks right now. They lead the NFL. Two games to play. Uh, they have a chance. Uh, they've had six or more sacks in their last three games. So if they can keep doing that, they could break the Chicago Bears record of 72 in a season. They get after you from all angles of their defensive line, not just the edge guys, their interior guys, Javon Hargraves, great pass rusher. To me, it comes down to that. Can the Saints protect Andy Dalton? I don't know how they're going to do it. We, they're missing Cesar Ruiz. We don't know Andres Pete's status. Uh, to me, this is just a difficult matchup, and the Eagles have to have the game. So they're going to be playing uh, with motivation. It just looks like an ugly matchup to me. What are you talking about, man? Calvin Throckmorton has got this down, pal. <laughs> yeah. This is a, I mean, this, he can block those thing, guys. The one good thing is they're getting characteristically warm weather. I think it's in the 60s in Philly right now. So, uh, yes. you know, not going to be frigid like it was in Cleveland last week. So it should be conducive to moving the ball. Hopefully Chris Olave is able to play. We don't know his status, but that's a big, a, a big keg for them. They have to have him in the lineup, I think, to even have a chance. And then they've got to get some turnovers. Minshew, if he does play, and I expect Minshew to play, I think they'll rest. Hurts another week. Uh, this is just my speculation, but I don't think they want to put him out there less than 100% when all they need is one more win to lock this thing up. And Minshew played well last week. So Minshew, though, will turn the ball over. We saw it last week against Dallas. He'll put the ball into, into tight coverage. Uh, the Saints might get Lattimore back this week, but I don't even think that matters. The, their corners are playing very well, as your stats pointed out. I mean, the Saints' pass defense is right now the strength of this team. And those young guys, I think, they give a lot of optimism for the future. Sean Berthelot, I'm going to get to your question in just a minute. Uh, it's because it's an important one, and we are going to talk about it in just a moment. Jerry, I'll show your comment in just a moment, too. Uh, I do want to say a couple things, though. First off, I don't understand why the Eagles would even contemplate playing Jalen Hurts this week. But that being said, the line movement tells me that they are going to play Jalen Hurts. Those The Sharps know before anyone else. You can talk about all you want about the, the great, the Adam Schefters of the world and and all these other people that are on and, and have inside information. No one knows the inside information like these sharps do. And for the line to go from five to six and a half in a day tells me that Jalen Hurts is playing. And, again, he was at practice in a limited capacity. I get that one more win and they clinch the number one seed. They don't need, to, they don't need Jalen Hurts to beat the Saints, I don't think. So you're, you're throwing out there a lot. I mean, I think that's taking a huge risk, Donk, if they decide to do that as we, we throw up the graphic here and show you the spreads. But uh, I, I don't know why they would even think about using Jalen Hurts. I know. But, I, look, this the locker room. Now, again, I'm just reading online, so I'm not there. Uh, but reading between the lines, the Eagles players seem to think they're going to rest Jalen Hurts the way they're talking. But, again, lots of times the players don't even know. Right. You know, with a quarterback decision like this, and I, I agree with you. I mean, Minshew's fine. They'll be fine with Minshew if they use him for another week. Uh, it sounds like Miles Sanders is going to play. At least he said he was going to play. I think yeah. the big concern for the Saints is 
like you said, is Alvin Kamara going to play? I mean, if they don't have Alvin Kamara in this game, they're I don't done. see how they keep up at all. No, because they're going to have to get Taysom. Taysom's going to have to run all over the place. It's not going to happen. Uh, here you look at the spreads again. This had dropped as low as minus five for Philadelphia. It has gone up in about, I'd say, 36 hours. It has gone from minus five to minus six and a half. And it was minus six and a half to start. So it's not like it just got thrown out there. So this line has gone from, in fact, I think I even saw a seven. This line has gone from seven to five, back now to six and a half. And I got to be honest, unless it comes out that Jalen Hurts is not playing, this line is not going to go lower than this. So when they, if they come out and say Jalen Hurts is not going to play, it will drop back down to five and a half. But right now, that's where it is. Eagles are basically a almost three to one favorite over the Saints to win the game. Total of 42. That is going up a little bit. That also tells me that the Sharps think that Jalen Hurts is playing. Just as a strange, some strange lines here going on. And um, so I'm not sure what's going to happen. I, w- I want to get to, because we want to move around this morning, and we're not going to spend the 40 minutes or so that we normally spend on the Saints. We will end the show with our predictions for the Saints, LSU, and Tulane. We're not going to give them right off the bat, but I think you, you can see where we're going with the Saints. I think Duncan and I are, are in agreement here. Sean Berthelot asks, or says and asks, forget this season. Let's talk about next season and who will be the Saints coach next season. Chances of Sean Payton coming back. Um, Dunk, I'm going to steal your thunder here. Dennis Allen is going nowhere. So it's to the point now where it doesn't matter what they do in their last two games unless he gets caught out on Bourbon Street doing something he's not supposed to do, and Dennis Allen is not going to do that because that's not who he is. So... Dennis Allen is about a 99.2% chance that Dennis Allen is the head coach of the New Orleans Saints. I think there's a 60% chance, maybe 70, that there's a new offensive coordinator. But Sean Payton is not coming to New Orleans, back to New Orleans, and neither is Tom Brady. All these goofy rumors thrown out by NBC to get clicks, not happening. Am I right, Dunk? Yes, you're correct. Unless something unforeseen happens, uh, everything I've been able to gather is – uh, you know, the management and ownership supporting Dennis Allen. I think they're very loyal to him right now. I think just out of principle, they would like to yeah. give him another year. They feel like this year kind of was a little bit of a an anomaly with the injuries and a lot of the flukish things that happened. Uh, that could be a mistake. I'm not saying that that's, that that's the right thing to do, but I'm just telling you how they're thinking on airline drive. Now, I don't close the window on anything happening, though. I mean, the, the NFL's crazy. Things happen. But I would say right now the thinking is he'll be back. They're happy that the team's fought these last two weeks and got two wins. Now, I think a little bit of that, you know, not to be too critical, I mean, obviously winning in Cleveland in that condition, beating Atlanta at home. But, uh, you know, that doesn't totally impress me. I thought they'd win both those games. Uh, they, they barely won both of them. Uh, you know, it took last-minute kind of survival to win both of them. So I think you could, as as a Saints fan, I don't think you want to get too caught up in that they won these two games, but they are fighting, and they are playing hard, and I think that means a lot when seasons start to go south like the way the Saints have. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if Sean Payton just sat out all next year and, and so. see if okay. the landscape materializes with better options because there's not a lot of really attractive options right now. I think it's better than 50-50 at this point. With, look at it, what's going to be out there. 
I think it's better than 50-50 that Sean Payton does not coach next year. Um, he's not going to rush for a job. There's no reason for him to rush. Um, the Saints still own his rights for, what, two more years after this, correct? Uh, so, you know, it's not like the Saints are – and I mean, they'd love to have a number one pick next year, but it's that's probably not going to happen at this point. So, Sean Payton is not going to rush into a job. I still think that there's a <clears> – the <throat> the rumors that have been swirling around for years – I think are true that he's going to wait and see if Dallas uh, spits the bit in the first round of the playoffs, which I think they're going to, even if they if they play Tampa Bay, I think Dallas is, is overrated. Um, and even if they don't and they don't, and McCarthy comes back, I don't, I think that something's going to happen next year. And th- there is a short leash in Dallas. Jerry Jones, like 82 years old now, he's, he, he wants to win a championship before he, before he passes on. So he's not sitting around waiting. So I think that if even if McCarthy makes it through this year, I'd be surprised if he makes it through next year unless they do something big and they're not waiting around. So I think the whole talk for the last couple of years or several years about Sean Payton being in Dallas, I think that's going to eventually happen and they'll pay whatever it takes to get him if that's what they want. So yeah, if they, they move on from McCarthy, I think he becomes the number one target and it very easily could happen because – Dallas fulfills all of the wish list items at the top of the wish list right. for, for Sean Payton. I mean, he wants to go somewhere where he can win. I mean, he's motivated to win another Super Bowl. Like all coaches want to win a Super Bowl. I know that sounds, uh, you know, pretty basic, but if he wins another one, I mean, he's he's a surefire Hall of Fame coach. That means a lot to him, and he wants to. I don't think he's in a stage of his career or life that he wants to do a, a, a start a do over the way he did all the heavy lifting here in New Orleans. Right. I mean, he came in here. This was a, a blank canvas, and they had to resurrect the program, and it took a lot of work. I don't think he's going to do that again this time. I think he's going to go somewhere where he can win and win right away. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean he has to have Justin Herbert to do it. I, I think he's confident he can get a quarterback. Uh, you know, he can attract a good quarterback. He has a great track record. So quarterbacks will want to play in his system is what I'm saying. So I don't think just looking around the league right now and saying who's the quarterbacks, I think I think the only quarterback factor I would say with Sean Payton is if you have a bad quarterback situation, you can't get out of. He's not going right. to go. And I think that's why Arizona, to me, he's not going to go to Arizona. They have terrible ownership, and they have a mess of a quarterback situation. I don't even know if he likes Kyler Murray. I don't know if he does or doesn't. I don't know his opinion on Kyler Murray. But I know one thing, that – you're stuck with Kyler Murray if you go there. That contract, you're not getting out from under that one. Same thing in Denver with Russell Wilson. So those are, in my opinion, a deterrence to him going to either one of those markets. You're not only stuck with Kyler Murray, but you don't even have Kyler Murray for at least half of next year. Right. So that that is a that Arizona's a dumpster fire. No, no one. I mean, the only person that's going to take that job, assuming that Cliff Kingsbury gets fired is someone who's just desperate to be an NFL head coach. I mean, no one in their right mind who is, thinks they're going to ascend is going to do it through Arizona because they're not going to be good anytime soon. Arizona is is a mess, so that's not going to happen. Jerry says, no, 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 on Shan, Sean Payton, Tom Brady. What about Derek Carr? I don't really agree with Jerry. If the Saints, I mean, that's actually, that, that's a mess right now. Derek Carr's situation in Las Vegas is a mess. I can see, now look, he's got a lot of, cap space surrounding him so the Raiders would have to eat part of his salary for him to be able to come here because the Saints can't afford 
I think he's on the hook for like $23 million next year. So the Raiders would have to be willing to eat part of his salary, but Derek Carr is not going to stay in Vegas, and they're going to have to figure out what to do with him. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Derek Carr, you know, I think he was drafted by Dennis Allen, right? So, I mean, I think yes. uh, that could be a possibility. Like the, I think his quarterback market is going to be better than people think this offseason. It's certainly better than what the Saints currently have. I mean, Andy Dalton's played well uh, the last few weeks, I think, in general. But they haven't played a lot of elite competition recently. And I think we're going to see on Sunday uh, a real test of where the Saints are at the quarterback position with Andy Dalton. Now, this is the kind of game where you're going to have to make plays at quarterback, and we'll see if he can make them. If he can, I think it. I think this team will definitely – I think that even if they can't, I, I think they'll really strongly consider bringing him back next year, whether it's a backup role or, or the stopgap starter again, because they know what they have with Dalton. And the thing that is attractive about Dalton is he knows exactly who he is. He's not trying – he knows at this stage of his career he's probably going to be a backup, and he's fine with that. And I think that's a big – Thing to have that right attitude. One last thing on the Sean Payton thing that I want to bring up. The one sleeper team that I think is would be intriguing to him would be Carolina because they have a wide open situation there. Yeah. Uh, they have a deep pocketed owner, David Tepper, who's very competitive. He's wired a lot like Payton. In other words, he wants to win and that would be intriguing to Payton. Uh, that's a better roster than people think. There's a lot of good young players on that roster. And, you know, they, they at one time courted Jeff Ireland, who I think would be a candidate as a general manager to go wherever Sean Payton goes. Uh, so, you know, there's some things that add up there. The, the biggest question, of course, would be, would Mickey Loomis allow Sean Payton to go within the division? I, I would be surprised if he'd want that on his tombstone, that he let Sean Payton go and you'd have to play him twice a year. And you know Sean Payton would love nothing better than to beat the Saints twice a year. Uh, I don't know if he wants to live with himself if he did that. I think it depends on what you get, right? I mean, if there's an yep. offer you can't, if it's an offer you can't refuse, then you got to do whatever well, you got to do. They have a high pick this year. They'll have a high, I think a high, I'm not sure if they if they traded away this year's pick or not, but just their record alone would put it in the top 15. I'm not sure you want to get rid of Steve Wilkes the way he's turning that team around. Well, that's, that's just it. But David Tepper aims high, man. This is a former hedge. The guy made billions in the hedge fund and he's aggressive they're getting ready they're trying to build a new stadium there uh they're you know build a new practice facility a lot of political things that would add up to going for making a splash as opposed to just keeping steve wilkes you bring in sean payton you get tom brady or somebody yeah suddenly that stadium deal might get done you know that there's a lot of factors that go into a coaching hire like this Jeff Duncan on the right, Jim Derry on the left. This is Datitude Live every Friday. Well, almost every Friday. I mean, some Fridays, last Friday I was on vacation, so we did the show on Wednesday. But mostly every Friday at 9.15 a.m. here on all these same stations. And uh, you can uh, be part of the show. we got some comments. And we'll, if you got a question for Dunk, if you want to make a prediction, whatever you want, if you just want to say Happy New Year, whatever it is, now's your chance. We're going to be... Run until about 10 a.m. this morning. Debo the God says, I'll take Jimmy G's torn ACL in a wheelchair over Derek Carr. They went 4-10 and 10 with all-pro Adams, Waller. And Pro. Let me tell you something. That team is a mess, and it's not because of Derek Carr. I mean, he did not have his best season by any stretch of the imagination, but I don't blame Derek Carr. I think Derek Carr would be a major upgrade 
over what the Saints have right now. Um, and I'm talking major upgrade, not even close upgrade to what the Saints have right now. So take that for what it's worth. Debo, the God, also says Sean Payton wants to flirt with teams, but he wants to go somewhere with franchise pieces. I think he left New Orleans because of the dumpster fire quarterback situation mainly. Well, it's a dumpster That's not fire. Why he left New Orleans. That, uh, I'm telling you, it's not why he left. It has nothing to do with it. You would know, uh, and I, I don't necessarily disagree. But first off, the dumpster fire quarterback situation is a dumpster fire quarterback situation that he created. I mean, I knew Drew Brees left, but he's the one that brought in Jameis Winston and then decided that he wanted to keep Jameis Winston. So that, that's a whole different story we can talk about. In the I don't think you would have kept him last year. If he have stayed, I don't think Jameis. What do you think would have happened had he stayed? I think he would have gone and got Teddy Bridgewater and they'd have won a lot of games. I don't disagree with that. I'm not a huge Teddy Bridgewater fan, but Teddy Bridgewater to me is an upgrade over Andy Dalton. Yeah, he's a better he, Andy Dalton. He's a Those better Andy Dalton. Is. That's a Those good one. He and he's younger. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I, I I don't think Jameis Winston would be the quarterback here. So I, look, they tried to do make it work with Jameis Winston, and it didn't. And, yeah. and it, for whatever reason, now this is two different regimes that have basically moved on from him. And uh, I think it says a lot. Inter- internally, there's something going on that's amiss with Jameis Winston because this is now what I consider three different chances he's had, right? He, he washed out in Tampa. He had a second life here with Sean Payton. In my research and, and reporting, Sean Payton was not going to bring him back this year if he stayed. So that's a second coach that's moved on. And now we saw quickly that Dennis Allen – moved on right away to Andy Dalton. That's three different people moved on. At some point, it's you, not them. I agree wholeheartedly. Debo, also, I'm not going to post the, the comment because it's a little long, but we wants to know, how do we feel about Dennis saying he doubled down on trading C.J. Gardner as a business decision? Look, I, I brought this up several times throughout the course of the year. People keep harping on this. Look, Lord knows I've been... I've been on the Saints keister when I think it's deserved, and it's been a lot this season. I have said a lot of things that the Saints organization, if they heard me say, they probably don't like. But C.J. Gardner-Johnson is not one of the problems. They had to trade him. He was going to be a problem in the locker room. He, they, they had to get rid of him. That's the best they could get for him at that time. It was the right move to make at the time, Dunk. C.J. Gardner-Johnson was not going to play in New Orleans and he would have been nothing but a detraction in the locker room. Yeah, I've never seen a player do what he did, where he basically wasn't practicing. Yeah. Uh, he was not taken to coaching. I'm not showing up that, for work. Yeah, that, that you know, can't happen. Now, I guess the argument you could make is if you had a stronger uh, infrastructure around him, maybe that wouldn't have happened. Uh, you know, sometimes these things, you, you know, look at the years that the pa- Patriots had all kinds of those guys like, they would bring in head case players supposedly from other organizations and they would toe the line in new England because they had a strong head coach, a strong infrastructure and culture around them. And they made it work. Uh, that, that would work. I mean, Sean Payton did that many times with guys like Jeremy Shockey. I know they looked at Des Bryant, right. but you know, they, they felt like they could bring in Odell Beckham jr. Last year. So there's, there's a, a track record there of being able to make it work. And it, it didn't work quickly here uh, with, with C.J. Gardner-Johnson. But, look, the defense has played fine. I mean, the Saints I pass agree. is among 
the best in the league. The one thing he did do was he had a nose for the football and could create some turnovers that has been a problem for the Saints this season. So I agree in that regard. But otherwise, uh, I think it's been a little bit overrated, that, that, that move. The last month of the season, I believe, the Saints are the second-ranked defense in the NFL. So, I mean, they, they, it's not the defense's fault that the Saints are 6-9. and nine. I mean, they've had their issues at different points throughout the season with injuries. But I think considering the fact that they have been without Marshawn Lattimore for three-quarters of the season and been without different players, different key players throughout parts of the season – at linebacker and the, and the defensive backfield has been a hodgepodge and they piece together the defensive line at times. The fact that they've been able to do what they've been able to do, I think says a lot for Dennis Allen, to be honest, I've been on him throughout the season, but I know people might not believe me when I say this, but I, I truly believe this. I think if he makes, makes changes in his coaching staff and makes changes in his philosophy about how to coach a game and gets a real offensive coordinator who can just, take control of the offense, and you feel comfortable with that person in the offense, Joe Brady. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm, I'm coughing. I had a little, little problem this morning. Somebody like that, I think Dennis Allen would be okay. And so I think he does deserve another chance, to be honest. I, I, I am not sold that he is the sole reason why the Saints are where they are. I think a lot of it has to do with personnel decisions. And you talk about this dunk. People have to remember that the Saints were left with this Sean Payton decision. It was an abrupt decision that no one was prepared for. I know Mickey was thinking about the future probably long-term at the time, but he had no idea that Sean wasn't going to come back for 2022 when he made that decision. No, he didn't at all. I mean, I remember talking to him when Sean Payton was down in Cabo contemplating his career, not just Mickey, but other people in the organization – and the, the general thinking was, Sean does this every year. You know, he grinds through the season, and then he you know, has this depression stage when they get beat, and he basically <laughs> starts to contemplate things. And, and they all felt like it was just another one of, those, one of those periods where he just needed to get his thoughts together. He's done it before, and he was going to come back. Uh, so, yes, it definitely surprised everyone. Everyone thought he was going to come back from Cabo and say, okay, I'm – I'm ready to go and recharge, and he didn't. So they had to go quickly into a transition stage, and they had to go through the coaching pro- hiring process that the NFL mandates. But that said, they made some mistakes this offseason. There's no doubt. I mean, the, I think they are now facing a much bigger offseason transition than they had last year. I mean, I think this Lord roster Lord. needs a lot of work, and I think it will undergo a lot of work. Now that Dennis Allen's had a year as the head coach, I think he's going to make a lot more significant changes, not just to the roster, but also probably to the offensive coaching staff. I think that definitely is an area. If you're going to sell, bringing back Dennis Allen, this fan base is already kind of lukewarm on him. You've got well, to sell. I, that's being kind when you say lukewarm. Yeah, you've, got to, you've got to sell an offensive overhaul, and I think that's what probably the organization will do. Here's what people don't understand, and this is why I'm probably a little bit more patient with the whole decision. I mean – you can't make rash decisions when you're when you're administrator. I mean, it's easy for fans to sit back and say so and so should be fired, or they need to make a move here or do this or do that. But you got to realize that as an as an administration, I mean, this team is in a lot of trouble going into next year. I'm not sure a you'd get a big name coach who'd want to come here with the cap situation that they're under. 
and B, I don't know how much good it would do. I, so I think that Dennis Allen actually is the right person to stay here. And look, if they stink again next year, then it's a little bit easier to make a move. But let him let him have a full off season to contemplate what the team needs to do, have a lot of input in that draft room, have a lot of input in the free agent moves, what moves they can possibly make, and make some changes, like you said, on offense, Dunk, uh, because I think it's going to be it's, it's going to be a rough ride unless they can be master manipulators again. Benjamin Guerra wants to ask you, and we kind of talked about it a little bit, but I'll, but I'll let you answer the question. How much is truth with the Saints and how much is manipulation of a market creation by Sean and Tom Brady's agent, Don Yee, to snag them deals next year? No, look, I know that's out there a lot with the, you know, look, there's some of that at play. There's no doubt but that's how the game works, uh, that they would, they would gin up a market. But, uh, you know, good reporters, people talking to the right people with good instincts. Uh, look, this one report, you know, it's kind of it, one thing I, I, it kind of gets under my skin a little bit is a national report tends to get more traction here than the local reports. And it never made any sense to me. Uh, the, the local team reporters are there every day. Yeah, we know by far more going on right now out there on airline drive than anybody nationally. But yet once right. it comes up on a national website, everybody's running around like chickens with their head cut off. Uh, and look, I can tell you this, just from, just from like behind the scenes, Mike Florio and Sean Payton are tight. I mean, I, I say they're tight. They're not going golfing together and drinking together, but they talk. So I guarantee you some of his reporting is informed by that camp. There's no doubt. Yes. So there's part of that. And Mike Florio is a legendary clickbait guy. Legendary. He knows what drives traffic. That's why he was supposedly carrying the banner for the Saints in Bounty Gate and carrying the banner for the Patriots in Deflategate. You know why he was doing that? Because it got traffic. Because right. somebody was on the Saints' side. Somebody was on the Patriots' side. And fans loved it. And they streamed to his website. And they championed him as a hero. All he was doing was driving up traffic for his website. So and that's what I, he does. That's how he, that's how he got to NBC from a startup website. I mean, he's a smart businessman. You can see that Jeff Duncan is a major fan of Mr. Florio. That's a, that, that's, I know, that's... Mike. I know him. He's a good guy. Actually. <laughs> he's a brilliant businessman, but he's not a journalist. He, 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 he traffics in traffic. I mean, that's, that's how he got to where he's at. Oh, the sad thing, Dunk, is there are a lot of non-journalists out there, and uh, I know, you know people like you and I who are kind of old-school sports writers, I think we're the last of the breed, actually, and we're we're trying we're trying to adapt to what we have now. But I mean, just the way of the world. I mean, the the dinosaurs like us are are moving along. Here, here's what I'd say: the last thing about that report, none of that was coming from the Saints side. It was all coming right. from the other side from Sean Payton. There's yeah. no question. Yeah, and, and I don't know if it was even Sean, but people around Sean, and and I have no doubt that that Tom Brady might end up with Sean Payton. They have the same agent. It, it could happen. But it also is a very sexy name to throw in there. My conversations with people in, in Peyton's world, there's a lot of quarterbacks he's interested in. Jimmy Garoppolo is one he's always liked. He's going to be a free agent. What, what are the 49ers going to do with Garoppolo? He might be on the market. Uh, you know, there's a lot of guys he would consider, including Tom Brady. So well, Jimmy Garoppolo is a free agent. Tom Brady's so. got to decide where he wants to go. He may not want to go to where Sean goes. So, I mean, it's, it's not that simple that they're a package deal. 
I think Tom Brady's going to retire. I got to yeah. be honest. I mean, he, I know you say no, and all I hear is no. But I'm sorry, but he's got for, he's got all the records that he possibly could want now. He wanted to break some more records and pad some others. I, his he is clearly, clearly, and I've been saying it for a couple of years because it's it's sort of been Drew Brees like where he starts off the season strong, and then you can sort of see the decline towards the later end of the year. I, I think that Tom Brady's decline started in like week three. I, he's not accurate. He's not nearly as accurate as he was before. He can play if he wants to, and he knows that. But I, I just don't think he's gonna. We'll see. No, I, mean, I think we'll you see. might be right. But here's the thing: I think if he finds a attractive location with a very good offensive line, I mean, very good offensive defense, line. Their offensive line is a mess. I mean, like he has no I shot. Don't right now. Don't disagree. He has no he, ability. He's not to, going back there. It's the same thing that happened with Matt Ryan. I mean, when you have Matt Ryan, you've got to be able to protect him. And they can't protect for some reason in Indianapolis, so he's a liability right now. And yeah. look, the NFL's never going to be a perfect game. There's great athletes coming after you. You got to be able to manufacture a little bit. But if you can protect Brady, I think he can still be productive. But he's got to go to the right right fit. I don't disagree with that at all. I think that if if he had the perfect situation, I think he'll come back. But it would have to be perfect. It'd right. have to be a good coach because he hasn't had a good coach in Tampa Bay. The one he had when he won the Super Bowl was bad. Todd Bowles is awful. If I'm telling you right now, and I, they're going to end up winning the division, or it could be Carolina. I'm not sure, but Todd Bowles needs to go. If I were in in Buckland, you want to think you think Dennis Allen's bad. Dennis Allen is Sean Payton compared to Todd Bowles. He's been awful and made awful decisions throughout the season. I don't know what the hell he's doing over there. Uh, William Lopez asked Derek. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but. Derek Carr's been in three Pro Bowls, blah, blah, blah. He, uh, I don't want to say blah, blah, blah. I don't mean to diminish your, your question, William. It's just long. Saying how much he's thrown for. He's had a weak supporting cast with the Raiders. I completely agree with that. Saints O-line and defense, uh, he would flourish here. He and Dennis Allen have a rapport. Dunk, we kind of talked about this again, and I know a lot of people have disagreed. And we, we got to move on because I do want to talk about the other things here, but I think Derek Carr would be a great fit in New Orleans. I really do. If yeah, they can make it work. Here's the thing that I think makes something like a Derek Carr, uh, you know, possible and attractive. The Saints are going to have to be creative to fit, fix yes. the quarterback situation. So a guy like Carr becomes a very attractive option because you could trade for him. You could use one of your roster assets, which I actually think that's the Saints' path out of this mess right now is to make some high-profile trades this offseason. They have yeah. some that are not even producing right now, but they, they, they have to move on from those guys. Maybe that's the way they get a quarterback. Maybe you make a deal with, say, a Mike Thomas, and you get a Derek Carr. You use that chip to get you something because they don't have a first-round draft pick. They can't use that to trade. So they have to get creative, and I think the best way to do it is with some of your, your high lucrative assets on your roster – uh, that aren't producing right now because that that to me is the biggest problem they've had this year, and I've said this before, is the core that they counted on is not what they're counting on right now. I mean, Mike Thomas is the highest paid guy on the team, and he hasn't produced in three years. Marshawn Lattimore is in the top five; he's been a non-factor this year. Uh, Alvin Kamara has not produced this year. Uh, there, there's just been too many guys like that that they thought were going to be their cornerstones that they've got nothing out of. And that's, yeah. that can't happen when you're roster building 
and planning. All their planning was built around this core. So now I think they may have to reconsider who the core is. And when you've had what you've had this season is some guys like an Alante Taylor, like a Pete Werner, you know, like a Chris Olave, these younger players that have stepped into these larger roles. And maybe now it changes your thinking of how the roster needs to be built going forward. I think that's what Dennis Allen and Mickey Loomis will be talking about this offseason. And I think that's the only way you're going to get rid of a Michael Thomas because of his cap hit is to pair him with some, trade him for someone else who has a similar cap hit, right? So if you could make that move with the Raiders for Derek Carr because, and you might not like trading Michael Thomas for Derek Carr, and they might not want to do it. But that would be a great trade for the Saints, I think, if they could pull that off. Because then yeah, I mean, you I get that Mike Thomas's name out there. I'm not saying they're going to trade Mike. Thomas. No, but what I'm saying is having that kind of move is the only way you're going to be able to get rid of a Michael Tom. You're not just people keep saying trade Michael Tom. You can't just trade him because of how much he hit, the cap hit comes. So the only way you're going to be able to move him is to move him to someone who has a similar type player that you're looking to to get rid of, you know, and that may end up working. Yeah, look, there's some tradable assets on this team that actually, I think Mike Thomas, if, if they moved him after June 1, I think they could do it, and it wouldn't be a, a significant. Uh, they would still be taking a cap hit, but they right. actually be less than it would be if they kept him. So, you know, you, you always got to look at the base salaries of these contracts, and once those are moved off your books, you save a lot. I just think that's the best path for this team. Marshawn Lattimore is pretty much untradeable. Uh, but he would be the type of asset. He's still a good player. But if you got to do, you know, desperate times call for desperate measures. Uh, the Saints have two good young corners right now. Alante Taylor and Paul Sandibo have balled out this year. They're playing at a high level. You could actually trade a Marshawn Lattimore and get something for him because he's a valuable player to, in a valuable position. I'm not saying they're going to trade him. That's something they have to consider, even if it would take a, a massive cap hit because. That's the only way out of this mess right now I see. Jim Derry and Jeff Duncan here on Datitude on Friday morning as we are live every Friday at 9.15 a.m. talking about the Saints. We'll figure out when the Saints are done after next week or if the miracle of all miracles happens and they make the playoffs. We'll continue to ride. We'll figure out what we're going to do after that. I know Dunk's going to probably take a little bit of a break, but we're going to go definitely through the playoffs live. Uh, on Datitude, and then we'll we'll figure out what's going to happen. But we're going to have about 12 to 15 minutes left in the show, so I do want to jump topics here. We're going to come back and make our Saints predictions at the end of the show. But there are other things to talk about, Dunk, including the Citrus Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, and the Pelicans. I'm going to start with the Pelicans, actually, because I got to go to the game for first time this season. I saw the Pels play. Uh, Zion Williamson was absolutely dominating in the second half of the game against the Minnesota Timberwolves on Wednesday. They don't have him. They don't win that game. But to me, it shows what kind of player he can be. And another thing I said on yesterday's Bayou Bet show was, it also showed that, and the Pelicans have showed this a couple times this season, they can play what I would consider bad for them and still find a way to win a game. They've done that a couple times this season. They were nowhere near their best. Zion was in the second half, but the rest of the team wasn't. And they found a way to win that game, an impressive victory, in my opinion. Well, and I see it two sides of that coin. I mean, one is they've had a tendency to do that, to play to the level of their competition. That bothers me a little bit. I mean, yeah. that was a game should never have been the way it was. And I didn't understand why they weren't getting 
Zion Williamson the ball before the desperation time in the second half. I mean, he got three shots in the first quarter, four in the second quarter. He's the best player on the team. And what I've said all along, I've told Christian Clark, our beat writer, this, and I don't know why it's taken so long for the organization, for the roster, to recognize this is Zion Williamson's team. He's the alpha. Quit trying to prop up. First it was Drew Holiday. Then it was, uh, you know, Brandon Ingram and the big three with C.J. McCollum. No. This is let's, – let's move on from that nonsense and recognize that you have an elite talent. The ball needs to go to him, needs to run through him, and let everybody else be the supporting cast. Uh, this is a Zion Williamson uh, team, and he's an alpha right now. He, that's what they recognize in that game. Get out of his way. Let him take over the game. That's what great players do. And it's taken too long for them to come to this organizational realization that it's a Zion – uh, world and everyone right. else living in it. The best part about what you just said is, and I 100% agree, is CJ McCollum and Brandon Ingram don't care if Zion's the out. It's not like right. that because they're not alpha males. They're they're perfectly fine with being supporting cast guys. Brandon Ingram's still going to do his thing when he comes back and he gets over this toe injury, but he's completely fine being in that role. And real quickly. Debo uh, says, you know, Trey Murphy is the most improved player in the, the season. There's zero question that is true. Right. Um, and so Trey okay. Murphy is, is, is with just with what they've been able to do to have your alpha male Zion, like you talk about, and to have your next two best players in that role where they're okay with being supporting, that is a perfect scenario for a team like the Pelicans. And here's the other thing I would say in defense of everybody out there. Zion's kind of brought a little bit on himself because if you know his personality, and I don't think yeah. people really know much about Zion. It's one of the things we're working on here internally is to do a big story on, you know, what's this guy like off the court? I mean, people really don't know much about him. He doesn't do a lot of media, but I think from everything I've been able to gather, I mean, he's very much kind of a go along, get along guy. He's a, he's a wants to fit in. He doesn't want the spotlight. And, and so that's a very admirable quality but when you get on the court, you got to change that. You've got to become the man, and you got to take over games. I think he's got that in him. We saw that the other night. Uh, he needs to do more of that. And he's always just trying to fit in and not hog the spotlight. You notice it doesn't take a ton of shots to get to no. him. Uh, he wants everyone to be involved, but at some point, you got to take over. And, and sometimes it, it, it can't be that late in the game when it's desperation time. you got to take over early. And, and I think that's what the maturation process, the evolution of Zion Williamson is going on right now. I, I don't know the, the kid either, but it doesn't he seem like a, a guy that just goes home and plays Xbox when he's done playing basketball? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's yeah, he's I mean, very much a homebody. Uh, he definitely goes out, but, I mean, he, he's, you know, at least from kid from Spartanburg, South Carolina, yeah. he's smaller town than that. Uh, you know, so New Orleans is a big place for him. Right. Uh, that's why I've always told people when – these, these Again, go back to the national media, right? The narrative a year ago was uh, Zion doesn't want to be in New Orleans. He wants to be in New York. That was so wrong. It, it was ridiculous. Now, I'm not saying that there weren't problems internally, relationship-wise, between his camp and the organization. There definitely was. And there was some friction there, and there was some concern that it wasn't going to work. But it wasn't because he didn't like New Orleans and he wanted to be in the, the bright lights. the coaching staff at the time, right? No, 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 it wasn't that. It was just some, some, some issues with his rehab uh, practice, and he wasn't getting 
his rehab done, and that's why he went out to Portland, and uh, you know they got him out of New Orleans basically. Uh, but that said, he's a more he's more wired like Tim Duncan, that kind of superstar, than say the guys that are immediately trying to bolt to L.A. like Anthony Davis. That's right. not the way Zion's wired. He's very happy here. It's not the size of the market or the bright lights somewhere else. It was more about the respect level between the, the two camps. And they got all that ironed out, and everything's fine. That's why he signed his extension, and everybody's kumbaya right now. All right, the Pelicans are about to finish up a homestand uh, tonight, as a matter of fact, against the Philadelphia 76ers. Then they play a tough back-to-back. they got to go fly to Memphis and play on New Year's Eve in Memphis. No rest for the weary. They won't be spending New Year's in uh, New Orleans because then they go straight and play Philly to Philly again on Monday. So tough stretch coming up for the Pelicans at uh, versus the 76ers at home tonight, Smoothie King Center, then at Memphis on Saturday at 76ers coming up on Monday. All right, let's go back to football, and I, I do want to touch on uh, Citrus Bowl and Cotton Bowl. Let's start off. I'm going to save the Cotton Bowl for last because I think Tulane is, is the biggest story of this group. Um, LSU-Purdue dunk. Uh, it looks like a lot of the player, uh, you know, it looks like Jaden Daniels is going to play for LSU. Uh, Purdue has had some major opt-outs, including their quarterback. This, the line is LSU minus 14 and a half. I'm not sure we're going to see a very exciting game in the Citrus Bowl. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I wouldn't touch that game betting-wise. There's too many variables and unknowns there. Uh, if I were going to, if you put a gun to my head, I would probably take Purdue just because I, I don't so know. So I. But I don't like either side of that game. I I think this game's important for Brian Kelly and, and just to continue the momentum. Look, they stubbed their toe against AM, lost to Georgia, pretty pretty one-sided game. They need to get a win, go into this offseason with momentum. They have a strong recruiting class. Um, and, and this all in all has to be viewed as a, a positive season uh, for Brian Kelly and his staff. So uh, I expect them to win this game. Jaden Daniels alone, I think, makes them a prohibitive favorite. But it won't surprise me if Purdue – I mean, they're, they're kind of one of those gritty teams. they got nothing to lose in this game. They're being overlooked. I mean, don't underestimate that they're going to come out and play them tough and close and could, if nothing else, backdoor cover you if you lay those that heavy, heavy amount of points. I agree wholeheartedly. I'd much rather play the under. I don't think there's going to be a lot of offense on this side. I don't – LSU doesn't have motivation enough to just keep scoring points. I'm not saying they won't. Yeah. But I'd rather take the under if I was than than take a side, and I'm not rushing to the window to do that either. All right, so uh, we we both like LSU to to beat Purdue, but we both like Purdue. I think the cover 14 and a half points is a whole lot of points, so we're gonna kind of stay away from that side. All right, I have a feeling. Oh, and Debo wants to ask one quick question. I think it's about LSU. Y'all think Jaden can do next year if we want to win a championship? I saw him play bad against subpar teams. I'm not sure where you saw him play bad. I think he only had like maybe. He had two average or below average games this season. One of them was, I mean, I guess you could call Florida State a below average. It was his first game with the program. I mean, I thought Jaden Daniels was an excellent fit for this for this team. And I, as, a, as an LSU alum, I'm thrilled he's coming back. Yeah, he basically won the Alabama game by himself. By himself, I mean, yeah. Yeah. He, and, look, I don't think losing Keishon Butte is going to be a big – I don't think it's a big deal at all. I don't think it's a big deal at all. They basically made do without him for the first half of the season. He wasn't productive at all. 
there's obviously some issues there behind closed doors that we don't yeah. know about. Ryan yeah. Thomas is a beast. Yeah, they've got some good young receivers. They've got some recruits coming in. They're going to be fine. Uh, I, I don't have any issue with that. I think Butte probably is better off moving on. I agree. Trying to get in the NFL. That seems to be what his goal was all along. So I think it's just going to be, uh, you know, a, a good situation for both sides. In this game, I do think, though, it does affect them to some degree in that, you know, I, I agree with you. Like, why do they need to pile on the points against against the Purdue team? If they get up 20 in the third quarter, I could see them kind of backing off the accelerator and just getting the win, you know. So, to me, that's a dangerous a dangerous point spread. But I think the, same, uh, the, the LSU controls this game largely because of Jaden Daniels. I agree wholeheartedly. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if you saw Garrett Nussmeyer in the second half. Uh, yep. I, I think Jaden Daniels just makes a cameo, plays a little bit because he deserves to play. And I'm glad, to me, it shows a lot that the kids worked his tail off to play in this game because he has no reason to play. I mean, he could have easily said, you know what, I'd rather rehab and get ready for next year. And he wants to play. And that's the kind of kid that Brian Kelly wants. And I, I, I think this team has taken huge strides in just the course of a year. And I can't wait to see what they do next year because it's going to be a fun season. I think they have an excellent chance to, to be up there near the top and start the season in the top 10 next year. It'll be interesting to see. All right, speaking of a team that could start the season in the top 10 next year, is the Tulane Green Wave because I think they're going to be even better than they are now. Now, I know that they're going to be missing Tajay Spears, who is the big catalyst on offense for that team, and I love to watch. I've been watching Tajay Spears play football for eight or nine years now. The kid is phenomenal. What do you give them? And, I, again, I think we're going to differ. I don't know because I haven't talked to you about it, but Tulane USC, what does the matchup look like? Cotton Bowl, Dallas on Monday, same time as LSU, unfortunately. Well, I'm, I'm fascinated to watch this game. Uh, just to see Tulane on the same field with Southern Cal, like one the of the Heisman Trophy winner. Yeah, the Blue Blood programs, storied traditional programs. This is going to be an amazing game to watch for a lot of reasons. Now, here's the way I, I feel about this game I think Southern Cal is going to score points. They score points on everybody. Yes, they have I a agree. incredible quarterback. I know what Sean Payton thinks of him. He thinks he's a generational talent. So, it's not that Tulane's got a good defense, but they haven't faced anything like they're going to face uh, in this game on Monday. Can the Tulane offense keep pace? That's to me what it comes down to. The one thing I like about Tulane's chances in this game is they really got nothing to lose. I mean, right. they're not supposed to be in the in the game against a team like this. Willie Fritz will throw the kitchen sink at them. They'll go for it on fourth down. They might do some fakes to try and keep pace. Can Michael Pratt? Tajay Spears, can they do enough offensively to keep pace? Because uh, I, I do think Lincoln Riley is going to want to win this game. But in some ways, I think it hurts that Lincoln Riley is the coach because he was the coach of Oklahoma a year ago when Tulane went into Norman and could have beaten Oklahoma. On the, I mean, it went down to the last series of the game, and Michael Pratt came up like a yard short. So they would have won that game. So rest assured, he has respect for this Tulane team. And he's building a program much like Brian Kelly, a, you know, a big-time blue blood program where he's going to want to gather momentum going into this offseason. So I think him in his first year, he's going to have his team ready. I don't think they're going to come in here and be sleepwalking. I really don't. Uh, but I do think Tulane's going to have way more fans there than Southern Cal. Their fan base isn't going to be excited. This is more of a coaching game. Does Lincoln Riley have his team ready to play? I think they will. 
and I think it's going to be hard for Tulane to keep pace with them. So I, I like Southern Cal in this game. Oh, we do agree then, because I agree with everything you just said. But in the end, I just think that uh, I, I think that USC, you've taken that next step up in program. This is a game where maybe next year Tulane could win a game like this because I think they're only going to improve. I think they're going to get better. I think they're going to be the clear-cut favorite in the American Athletic Conference, especially with Cincinnati leaving. And uh, who else is leaving? Somebody else is leaving, too. Central Florida. Central Florida is leaving, too. So Tulane, <clears throat> clearly the, the favorite next year. And so they could be in a similar type situation. So this is, whether they win or lose this game, it's a f- fantastic chance, fantastic experience for this program to get to a place like the Cotton Bowl. I've got several friends, and, you know, one is in his 70s and can't wait to go to Dallas. He's bringing his sons, and he's like, I may never get it. You know, I've never had this chance to see Tulane play in a, in a bowl like this, you know, or since I was a kid. And so to have this chance, he, he says, I may never have this chance again. So, I mean, I think it's it's phenomenal for Tulane fans. I got plenty of them, and, uh, you know, I'm super thrilled for them. I mean, I'm an LSU guy, but, um, you know, I've, I've definitely softened on that. I'm rooting for Tulane this week. I hope they win. I hope I'm wrong. I don't have any money on it. I'm not betting on USC. Well, I did bet a little bit, but not enough to make me root against the green wave. But uh, I think that uh, it, Caleb Williams is a little bit too much. I know there's been a lot of talk about whether he'll play or not, but I think he's going to play. He has something to prove. And he's going to play. All right, Tulane, moving on from that and going back. As we close the show out, we want to go back to the Saints and offer up our Saints predictions. You have about two minutes to get your predictions in if you want to do so. You can do it in your comment stream, YouTube, or Twitter. And if you're listening to it, post uh, live version. Well, you can you can email me if you want to say something to me. At uh, Let's see, what is my email? jderryattheadvocate.com, at Jim Derry Jr. on Twitter. Uh, Dunk. We kind of touched on it in the beginning and talked about it. I know we've talked a lot about the Saints as a franchise and not as much about this matchup. We touched on it the first five to ten minutes, so people that have joined us after that. This is not a good matchup. In fact, if you wanted to pick out the worst one, two, or three matchups for the Saints, this is one of them. The Saints, they're, they're, I think they match up better with a team like, I don't know, I mean, pick the Niners, a, a, I think they match up better with the Niners. Oh, one hundred percent, they match up better than the. And I think the Niners are a better football team, yeah. but uh, they match up better with the Niners because of the quarterback situation. The Saints don't play running quarterbacks well. If if it's Jalen Hurts, it's even worse. But even with Gardner Minshew, I just don't like the way. Who's going to stop AJ Brown? Who's going to stop Devontae Smith? Um, and their defense is really playing lights out right now. Not a good matchup for the Saints at all. Yeah, the Saints cannot afford any of the, the mistakes that they've made all year long, right? Yeah. Turnovers, penalties, those kind of things add up in, in any game. But against a team like this that's more talented than you and deeper than you, uh, it's going to be a hostile environment. The Saints have lost three in a row there. I think they're 4-11 and 11 lifetime in Philly. It's just not – there's nothing that adds up here. The only good thing about it is I think the weather's supposed to be good. It's going to be in the 60s, so we should have good weather. But I just can't see the Saints keeping pace offensively because Philly scores on everybody. They're the highest-scoring team in the league. So the Saints, this, these last few weeks where they played the, the Falcons and the Browns of the world, uh, that's not going to cut it in this kind of game. They're going to have to get up in the 20s, I think, to even have a chance. And they just haven't been able to do that very much this season. I know they had a nice game against uh, the Seahawks. 
Uh, they're going to have to be aggressive. They're going to have to be creative on offense, I think, to manufacture points. And when they do have their opportunities to make a big play, they've got to make them, and that's been elusive for them all season. Might want to press the mute button. Uh, that, that usually helps. Jerry says 24-21 Saints. God bless you, Jerry. I love the optimistic fan. I wish I could be as optimistic as you are, my friend. I cannot. Debo says 31-24 Eagles. That hurts is playing. Um, if I had to, if I if I were forced to pick a, a side with the spread, I would take Philadelphia. But I think actually more than than Philadelphia, if we look at this real quick one last time, I would much rather take the over. I know both these teams have really good defenses. They've been playing well in defense. I think this is going to be a higher scoring game. And like Dunk said, with the weather being perfect, I think that the Eagles are certainly going to score. And I think the Saints will find a way to score some points. Not enough to win the game. Not enough to cover. I'm going to say, Dunk, um, let's say 20, let's call it 30 to, to 21 Eagles. Yeah, that sounds about right to me, too. I would say it's going to be one of those games, if you took the spread, you'd be sweating it either way. Yes. Fourth yes. quarter. Uh, but I do think there is the potential for the Eagles to, to blow them out. I mean, if the Saints I agree. turn the ball over, this thing could get ugly. The Saints will have to play their best game to stay alive. And look, I mean, for the, I know there are a lot of people out there who are actually sweating this. I gave up on this more than four or five weeks ago. But if you've got that bet with the Saints over seven and a half wins, this is a must win. Forget about the playoffs. I don't care about the playoffs. Give me eight wins, by God. So I hope the Saints win and give me a chance to get that eighth win next week. That would be great to cash in on that, but I'm not expecting it. Uh, it's it's probably, just probably not going to happen. I'm going to have to give up on it. I think it would All be right. one of the biggest upsets they've had in the last five years if they win this game. I agree, but just think about it, and I, and I hate to keep bringing this up, but just think had they held on to that Tampa game on Monday night dunk, the Saints would be literally in complete command right now. They could lose this game and still win the division. Well, that's, that's one where I think you have to say not only the players but also the coaches contribute. I mean, that was just a game oh. you, can't, you can't lose that game. Brutal. Uh, and, and that's where I think Dennis Allen lost a lot of the goodwill with the fan base in that game. I agree. And, and it wasn't all Dennis Allen's for, fault. It was partly his fault, but not all Dennis Allen's fault. But that one's going to sting. When you think about games in the annals of Saints lore, uh, defeats that hurt, reg- at least regular season defeats that hurt, that one's got to be in the top 10. And not just because you blew a 13-point uh, lead to Tom Brady, uh, but because of the ramifications of, of blowing that lead and what happened. Again, the Saints would be in complete control right now. I mean, it, you know, I don't even know if they'd care who who won the Carolina-Tampa game had they won that game. Yeah, it kind of harkened back to the old Saints days, right? Yeah. The tortured Saints days of where – they would play the 49ers tough or and somehow squander a big lead against the Niners, and they could never get over the hump. And that's really what, to be honest with you, if I pull back the lens and you really go from a 50,000-foot view of the Saints, that's what I would be concerned about is are they going back to those days of, uh, you know. Oh, the, my God, I can't do it, Dunk. I'm just saying, J.D., before, I can't Sean, do Payton it. Drew, before Sean Payton and Drew Brees got there, this was a 500-floundering kind of franchise. And it's exactly what they've got this year. And, yeah, there's always going to be hope and optimism you turn around. But the fact is, 
you are what your record says you are. We've seen that now this season with a lot of the same uh, attention to detail, lack of it, uh, discipline, all false star penalty, all those things that, that add up to you being a bad team. And, uh, you know, I know they've won these last two weeks, but again, uh, if that ball didn't pop out in the Falcons game, I'm not sure we're, you know, we're sitting there talking about the playoffs right now. Man, I just, I, I, the thought of going back and, you know, you and I are probably, you know, if, you know, we have a good 10 years left in us in this career, I, we hope to think that those 10 years would be spent with a re, another, at least a major part of it, rebuilding a franchise. That's tough to, tough to think about. I mean, that's, that's kind of depressing. Yeah. Well, look, there's still, the roster's still talented enough to compete for a playoff spot, but there's a lot of work got to be done this offseason. And, and they've got to figure out the quarterback situation long-term, and I'm not sure what path they take to get there. So you're saying it's going to be a fun offseason? It'll be fun for the beat writers. they got a lot, have a yeah. lot of work. That offseason very well could start after Sunday's game. So, I mean, the, for any other reason – Let's hope the Saints win. Let's hope the Panthers win. Let's hope we can talk about possibilities again next week because in all reality, I mean, the Saints' theoretical probabilities are 3% right now for them to make the playoffs. If they were to win this week and the Bucs were to lose to the Panthers, it's the, the, possib- the probability, you'd be surprised, but it doesn't go up all that much. It's still in the neighborhood of 18 to 22% because – the Bucks would still have to lose to the Falcons next week. Right. And the right. Saints would still have to be a good Panthers team. So at best they'd be 50, 50. So. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's, let's just say slim and none uh, playoff hopes and slim left town uh, a week ago. <laughs> All right. We'll see what happens. All right. Dunk, thank you for joining the show. Have a happy new year, my friend. And uh, we will talk to you next Friday. Yeah. Same to you. See you on the other side, brother. The great Jeff Duncan here, as he does every Friday on Datitude, giving us his thoughts on the local sports world, which is packed with all sorts of things going on this weekend. It'll be the final super busy weekend of football in the New Orleans area, and the state for that matter, until next year. Barring the unforeseen miracle of miracles in Philadelphia and in Tampa, this weekend. Not going to happen. I mean, I'd be glad to come back and let you laugh at me and say, you're wrong again, Derry, but uh, not going to happen. It's, I mean, first of all, Carolina's a three-point dog. Saints are a six-and-a-half-point dog. You put those together. You know, if you played a parlay on that, on those two money lines, I'm guessing you'd get about six to one, seven to one. And I think that's actually a, that's no value. I don't think the, the odds are greater than that, than both those things happen. I think Carolina will win, but I think the Saints have a just massive road ahead. But we're going to talk more about that coming up here with Uncle Big Nick because, as we do every week, we give you our best bets. We're both above water when it comes to our, our money, how much we have from the beginning of the season to now. I'm way above uh, water. I'm like... My head's like poking a, like the top of one shell square. Uncle Big Nick is like peeking out of his living room window. But he's still above five. I mean, he's still above even. And really, in this world, that's all you're trying to do. 
And we're trying to have fun with it. And we do. And we'll get to it right now before we close out 2022 on Datitude. Can we make some dry picks today? It, it's, it's, it's storming outside. So if anybody hears any thunder, lightning, whatever, it's, it's storming outside. But we're storming with the great picks. So, I mean, well, I mean, you're like storming with the mediocre picks, but that's okay. Uncle I Big think Nick. I figured out why sometimes when you introduce me on my end, I can hear my intro and sometimes I can't. Uh-huh. And if I don't hear the intro, sometimes I do bad. Yeah, well, did like you hear I it that it, time? I didn't hear it that time, so it might be bad this week. Oh, uh, okay. Well, I, I tried to have you hear it. It, it was playing. I know it all plays, right. well, but I just don't hear it all the time. But sometimes when get, I hear it, it gets me more fired up, and the picks are great. Well, get fired up. Just pretend like you heard little Lucy saying, singing her little song or singing her little whatever. Because we're going to get into it last week. It was not the greatest of weeks for you. You had a 1-3 in one week. Minus 37, but for overall for the season, you are still in the positive. You're plus 12. I had a pretty decent week. Three and two, plus 39 for the season. I am plus 224. We're going to try to keep it rolling as we're back yeah, going who, and training. Who told Wake Forest it was okay to start playing defense? I don't know, but that, that was miserable. Yeah, you, you missed on the Wake Forest uh, Mizzou parlay. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Well, it happens. We'll see what we can do. We, the Air we, Force money line was good, though. That was easy. Well, the one one of the ones I missed on, when you're going to miss a parlay, you might as well go ahead and miss both legs. So I don't know what happened with the Saints last week. They won, but um, good for them. I don't have them in my best oh, just, this week. Just wait. Tom Brady and Sean Payton are coming next year. Super Bowl bound. That is a uh, – what do they call it? Uh, they call it a canard. <laughs> it, it's it's not happening. How about that? We on the West Bank, we just say it's not happening. All right, Uncle Big Nick, let's get rolling into our picks this week as we try to make some people some money. We're going to start with you. You got an $11 pick to win 16 I don't know how much you're going to love this, but I'm taking Arizona to beat um, Atlanta. I'm taking the money line plus 150 I I, I don't know. A- Atlanta's terrible. Desmond Ritter's terrible. J.J. Watt came out and said he's retiring. I could see Arizona, you know, inspired. Not at home play. now. I know it's not at home, but it's, it's not their last game. Okay. They, you think they, Atlanta's better than them? No. Colt McCoy over Desmond Ritter? I think that's a toss-up game is what I think. <clears throat> but well, toss-up, uh, take the money line. I'll take the points. Okay. Well, well that's not, you got a point. That's not yeah, a They like it's a great home field advantage for Atlanta. I think no, it definitely is. They done. But I mean, they just. I, I know one thing that if uh, if Carolina wins this week over Tampa Bay and the Saints beat Philadelphia, which ain't happening. But if if it does happen, uh, by the way, the Saints are in my best bets. But not not. We'll find that out in a minute. The Saints are in my uh, best bets too. Okay, uh, but if if those two things happen, the Saints will have to root for the Dirty Birds next week. That that's always fun. It happens about once a decade where you got to root for Atlanta. That's where the Saints fans will be next week if those two things happen, but I ain't counting on it. All right, Arizona over Atlanta, the money line, 150-11 to win 16. I have got the Saints-Philly for 11 bucks. I'm not picking a side, even though I think the Saints will lose. 
what I like more than whether the Saints win, lose, or cover is I like the Saints-Philly over, 44. I think this is a game where um, I don't care whether it's Jalen Hurts or Gardner Minshew, and as we record this, we don't know the answer to that. I'm kind of starting to think it's Jalen Hurts. The way the line has moved, I think people know something we don't know. Um, I'm not sure why Philly would risk using Jalen Hurts right now. I know that they need to win one more to get the number one seed and to clinch the division, but you still got another game next week. And to risk, because if they don't have Jalen Hurts in the in the playoffs, they're screwed. That's just my opinion. They might be screwed anyway, because I don't think they're that good. But I don't understand why in the hell they would use Jalen Hurts. But it's starting to look that way. And if they if they're going to use Jalen Hurts, I certainly like the over. This was like a forty to twenty nine game last year, and I think it's going to be a high scoring game again. I like that pick, and I'm just going to go into since you got this. I'm going to go into my second pick. Please Philly do. minus six and a half. 22 to win 20. Um, I, I I understand what you're saying about why would they play Hurts, but I think no matter who plays quarterback, Philly's going to beat the Saints by a touchdown or more. Um, like you said, one more game to get the bye. And I don't know if this is going to be incentive, but Philly has the Saints pick. So how many more Saints, if the Saints lose, that improves their pick. I think it's so, hard. I'm sure. And I think if Hurts plays this game, and they win, he's going to have two weeks off. You'll have next week he ain't going to play, and then the week after he's not going to play with the bot. So I think they might play him this game, get that win out the way, let him sit for two weeks, then it's done. And then nobody cares about your fantasy league department. What screws me is I could see Jalen Hurts playing a half and then Minshew playing a half. Right, right. Uh, which really hosed me because I have Hurts and Minshew, and I have to figure out which one I would use. It's only the championship of my fantasy league. That's all. I mean, it, this is, you know, I'm trying to win two in a row here. I'm in you a know. championship, too. Not in ours, but I'm in one. Well, you you know how hard it is to win two in a row in FFL. So I think it's only been done yeah. twice. So, anyway, nobody cares about that. But I agree with your, your pick, your assessment. Um, I think it's. The Saints, I think, are a little bit, um, I don't know, they finally won two in a row. I, I think they think they're back. I just, I don't know what's going on with Alvin Kamara. How bad is Cleveland? Good Lord. Pretty bad. Pretty bad. But we'll see what happens with Cleveland this week because they are part of my best bets. And we'll no find way. out what that is in a minute. All right, my, my next pick is also an $11 pick. And I know what you're probably going to think about this, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. The Houston Texans plus four and a half over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, I need to throw out the caveat of every time I bet against Jacksonville, they win. Every time I bet on Jacksonville, they lose. So that's good news for Jags fans. Here's the thing, though. Houston has defeated Jacksonville nine consecutive games straight up. Nine times. Nine times in a row. So can they make a 10? I don't know. They don't have to. They just have to cover the four-and-a-half spread. But I think I also think the Jags are getting a little bit too big, big for their britches. They're due for a, a little, little welcome back down to earth. The game is meaningless for Jacksonville anyway. Um, and all these Houston people, wants to win, though? Well, here's the thing. And, I, and I'm so sick of the Sharps talking about this. Houston, they have – it doesn't make one shred of difference whether they win or lose. Whether they get the number one pick or the number two pick, it makes zero difference. 
Because if they don't get the number one pick, they get the number two pick. It means Chicago gets the number one pick. Chicago isn't drafting a quarterback. Houston Chicago is. might trade the pick, though, for somebody Who that gives wants to a draft damn? a quarterback. What's the difference between Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud? Very little. So if you don't get Bryce Young and you get C.J. Stroud, fine. I don't think either. I mean, they're both number one picks in any given year. You just don't have your choice. I don't think this pick makes one shred of difference. And I, first of all, I don't think Chicago's going to trade the pick anyway, even if they get the number one pick. You don't trade the number one pick unless you get super-duper value. And I don't see the Bears getting that there. So when's the last time you saw the number one pick traded? Been a while. It's been a while. Yeah. yeah. So it, I mean, Houston's been playing really get, good. I mean, they, 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 they are, and they have a reason to play well because they're trying to build something, I think. They're trying to get out of this culture of they just suck. So I think it's important to them to win. And I think either way, I like this pick because Jacksonville, either way, if they get down early, they probably pull in their starters. If they get ahead early, they probably pull in their starters. Right, and we saw with Tennessee last night. Next week's the big game for them. Yeah, we we saw with Tennessee last night against Dallas. They they didn't didn't care. I mean, Josh Dobbs, really. And Josh Dobbs probably going to end up starting next week because he's certainly better than Malik Willis, which is a scary thing. Yeah. But, um, you know, you saw a lot of people play for Dallas, for Tennessee last night that didn't play. They probably could have played if they really needed them to. So, anyway, that's my $11 pick, Houston over Jacksonville. Houston plus four and a half. Moving on, you got another $22 pick. Uh, San Fran minus nine and a half against the quitting Vegas Raiders. Like, I, If San Francisco scores 17, do we think Stidham's going to put up 10 against that defense? Maybe. I but I, so. I like I liked the pick. Um, I originally had San Francisco as part of a, <clears throat> a two-team money line parlay. Spoiler alert, they're in part of a parlay coming up that I'll tell you. But I do like Probably the pick. Probably a teaser. The only thing that, that is weird about it, though, is I don't know how much San Francisco really cares. I don't know if they care enough to win by nine and a half because the reality is – I don't think it matters if they care or not. I don't think Vegas is going to score. No, that's possible. That's possible. Devontae Adams is pretty pissed off, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I don't even know if he's going to even suit up for this game. He came to play with his boy Derek Carr, and now Derek Carr is on the bench. So I don't know what's going to happen there. Uh, That's going to be an interesting scenario. Vegas is too much of a disarray right now for me to – I mean, I just think San Fran's on a roll. And like I said, I don't – I think they second string can hold them to – 10, 15 points. Okay. If, yeah. I don't, if I don't, I don't, quarterback. I don't hate it. The sure. Marco Ryan's is going to have this defense fired up no matter what. All right. Well, I can go with it. My next pick is a $22 pick. And I have Baltimore. I mean, excuse me. I have the Pittsburgh money line in a lot of different places. Here, I'm just taking them with the spread. Pittsburgh plus two and a half over Baltimore. I think the Steelers are going to win this game straight up. Baltimore has been terrible lately. And I know Lamar Jackson might play as we record this. We still don't know the answer whether he will or not. But even if he does, is he going to be 100%? I don't know the answer to that either. Uh, but I, I I, think the Steelers, people forget, and I keep reminding them, so they're not forgetting if they're paying attention to anything I have to say, but Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season. The only way he can continue that streak is if the Steelers win their last two games this year, and that starts with a game against Baltimore on Sunday. I think they win. But we'll just have them plus two and a half here at twenty-two dollars. Yeah, Pickett's been improving. I like this pick because 
Baltimore was weak in the secondary, and I think they could take advantage of that. Baltimore hasn't scored over 13 points in like five weeks or something That's like that. That's insane. Huh? Yeah. It's, 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 you think they could score over 13 over against this defense? No, I don't. And I actually like the under as well. So, yeah. but I'm not going to play that. But that if you want to. With, with these two teams, uh, I feel like I always take whoever's getting points because they're so yeah. evenly matched that it's normally close, one, two points, you know, stuff like that. Well, if you want to get chippy and bet Pittsburgh in the under, I'm not going to stop you. So. Moving on, you got a, your next pick, I'm assuming, is a parlay, 25 to 166. Yeah, I got two parlays left. Um, I'm taking the two orange teams in the Orange Bowl, which is kind of cool. Clemson and Tennessee are playing in the Orange Bowl. Taking Clemson minus six in the over. I, I don't think Tennessee can stop Clemson, and I think Clemson has the better defense. I think that's the best unit on the field. So I just I, – everybody throws for 400 yards against Tennessee. And now that Uglio long name is gone. And they what got is the over, by the way? 62. I well, can see Clemson Ugalele. putting up Isn't 40 it Ugalele? Something. Ugalele? I don't know, Ugalele. something like that. I just say Uglio long name. Okay. Well, but he's the, gone. Uh, and I think Kubrick, I think is his name, the backup Kubrick. quarterback. Yeah, yeah, he looks really good. And, I mean, I just think this is going to be like a coming out party for him because Tennessee's defense is so bad. I mean, Spencer Rattler threw for – six touchdowns against this defense. I mean, yeah. I could see this kid throwing in five, six touchdowns maybe, and Dabo is going to coach I'll, this like a playoff game. I will say this. Um, I love Clemson so much that I almost put it in my best bets. I haven't had a college pick in my best bets all year. I've stayed away. Remember, stay in your lane, bro. Um, but if, if I were to pick one college game all year to put in my best bets, it would have been Clemson. I think Clemson yeah. is going to annihilate Tennessee. Yeah, me I don't, too. I, I don't necessarily love the over because I don't know what Tennessee is going to do. But I agree with you 100%. Dabo plays with – he doesn't give a damn what bowl game, whether it's playoff, it doesn't matter. No, no. He's, he's, in, he's in a postseason on, in prime time. He's going to play his I don't think they, I really don't think they have many opt-outs. I think it's only yeah, they don't on the have defense. All the and yeah. the, their defense is so deep that it doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, I can, uh, I can see Clemson putting up 40-something points. Yeah, that's I love why I'm Clemson. taking the over. Uh, I love I love Clemson, so I'm with you on that pick. All right, my second pick. I don't usually put a teaser in the two hole, but I did here. Thirty six bucks to win thirty. Carolina plus nine over Tampa Bay, and the aforementioned Cleveland Browns plus eight over the Washington Commandos football team, whatever you want to call them. I think Carolina. I really think the Carolina's going to win. Uh, Tampa Bay's not very good. We know that. So for Carolina to get plus nine here. Um, I think is a great spot. Now, Tampa Bay could come out on fire and Tampa play Bay like ain't Tampa Bay's. Nobody out. Like, that, well, that's like my that. thing, though. They people. I think they win saying, this game. Know, I almost put happens, them in my bets, but I, they uh-huh. ain't blowing nobody out. If they can't blow out well, Arizona I, with McSorley, like who are they going to blow out? Well, that's what I, I'm saying. I mean, you can't, people keep saying it's going to happen, but we haven't seen it. So until it happens. You want to give me Carolina and nine points, go for it. And then Cleveland over Washington, plus eight. I, every time Washington, I mean, Washington's going back to Carson Wentz. They're desperate. You know what that tells me? Hey, we know we stink and we overachieve for five weeks. We're going back to being the Washington commandos who we thought we'd be. Cleveland's not that great, but they've been inconsistent. One week they're good. Next week they're terrible. One week they're good. Next week they're terrible. Guess what? They were terrible last week, so this is their week to be good. And I think they'll certainly be good enough to keep it with an eight. 36 to win 30, my teaser. 
Carolina plus nine and Cleveland plus eight. Your best bet, 30 to win 79. This is going to be nasty. You're probably going to hate it. I've taken Ohio State plus six and a half and over 62. I don't know why this line is under a touchdown with Georgia being in Atlanta. I, I don't know. It just seems like they're begging you to take Georgia with this under a touchdown. And that's all Ohio State heard for three weeks is you have no chance. Georgia's the national champions. And I, I think their wide receivers could take advantage of Georgia's secondary. And I can see this game being really close in the first half, and Georgia may pull away in the second half, but I just think Ohio State's going to come out and just prove that they have a chance in this game. I don't you think- are incorrect, sir. I like I this pick. Oh, you do? I like Ohio State, um, and I like the with the points. Now, I in my picks, I actually I bought the hook, uh, so I got it at plus seven. Uh, and I spent a little extra money to do it because I just hate that six and a half. Another I bet I like with I this, and I almost put this as my best bet, but I didn't want to get too cute. I love Ohio State in the first half because okay. I think they come out and they just prove that they belong in this game. But Georgia's depth in the second half might come back and win this game, you know. But I think the first half, and Ohio State's getting three and a half in the first half. I just think they come out, they might be leading at halftime. You know, something like that. Well, I will say this. I think the winner of this game wins the national championship. Because yes. if Ohio State plays Michigan again, they're going to destroy them. And I mean, beat the ever-loving hell out of them. I don't think it's going to be close. So and how that good would that be for college football if it's Ohio it would be State great. Michigan? Yeah. So I think, I guess my point is, if you think Ohio State's going to win, I don't. I think Georgia's going to win, but I think it's going to be close. Me too. I think Georgia's going to win. But there is value on Ohio State future to win the national championship. I think it's still plus three twenty. So if you're gonna, if you want to bet Ohio State to win straight up, I would go and play the the future on them to win the national championship at plus three twenty, because yes. I think you're getting much better value on that than just betting the plus. That's going to drop so much if they win this game. Correct. They're going to be become favorites, and it's going to be minus yeah. one fifty. So go bet if that's what you like. I'm not telling you to bet that. I'm telling you that if the if you, if you like Ohio State this week, and I think they they are the only team I think that they're the only team in college football I think that even matches up well with Georgia because Me too. Of the way they play offense. Jo- Georgia's right. weakest spot is their secondary, and yes, Ohio State's receivers are great. I agree wholeheartedly. All right, so I like the pick. I don't know and that normally, I like the over. Normally, if I every time I bet bowl games and if I like the dog, I always take the money line. Yeah. Because it seems like if the Dawes going to win, they, they're going to win outright, not just cover in a bowl game. This one, I'm not. I'm, I'm just taking the point. Yeah, and what I normally do is I'll take the money line for a little bit. Like, let's just say I was betting 50, okay? I'm not telling you that's what I bet, whatever. But let's just say I was going to bet 50 on the game. I would bet Ohio State 33 to cover and then 20 on the money line. That's right. how I would And I'm not saying I'd do that here because that's I, what I, did. I agree with you. I wouldn't play the money line here at all. That's uh, what I, I did on uh, Oklahoma last night. I bet yeah. a lot on plus 10 and a half and then a little bit on the money line. Yeah, I think that's the way to play it. All right, I'm going to close it out with my best bet. It is, It was a two-team money line parlay, but because after I put my picks out, Vegas, like we talked about, announced Derek Carr is not going to start. So I had to make it a three-team parlay. So originally Ooh, I had a three-teamer. Three-team money line parlay, San Francisco over Vegas. Detroit over Chicago, and so that was minus 112 before the announcement. So I had to add a team in there. So, okay, I'll add a team in. Kansas City over Denver. 
that oh. make, gets it back to minus 112. So that's fine. I mean, Kansas City's going to shellac Denver. That'll be fine. So three-team money line parlay, Kansas City over Denver, San Francisco over Vegas, Detroit over Chicago. So we ought to get Kansas City and San Francisco without too much of a sweat, we hope, especially since San Francisco's my knockout pick this week. My last knockout pick. You so, still got San Fran left? Yeah. Look at yeah, you. Yeah, I saved them. And I, w- wow. I was going to save them for next week and use Detroit, but then when it got announced about Derek Carr, I'm like, you know what? I can't save him. You can't get cute. No, I'm not getting cute. Do you I'm just trust Detroit? Use him. I, I don't trust. I trust him enough in a money line parlay where I only lose thirty three dollars and sixty cents. <laughs> yeah. But I don't, to win thirty, I don't trust him enough to put my knockout pool hopes and a chance of fourteen grand on the right. line to pick him. So I kept him out of there. But look, I think Detroit Chicago is actually a very entertaining game. I just don't think the Bears. I think they're going to put up points. I don't think the Bears can stop the Lions at all. Me neither. And I think that the Lions have complete focus. I don't know what they're going to do next week against Green Bay. I think it depends on what Green Bay does against Minnesota. But I think that they're, Detroit's going to be balls to the walls this week. Yeah, and it, they call, I mean, they call in, uh, in DFS, we call the Detroit, I don't know what the name of that stadium is, where we call it the Coors Field uh, of football. Ford Field. Yeah, we call it the Coors Field of football. Yeah. All overs, like just pound DFS. Yeah, remember when they that play Seattle, in that Detroit game? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. When I was, yeah, 49, I remember it well because I was twenty points away from a million. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember yeah. that. Well. well, sorry about that. <laughs> All right, Uncle Big Nick. Well, we got. I think we got some decent picks. We'll be rolling next week. The last week. Hey, in the who NFL. you like in Cincinnati, Buffalo? I like Buffalo. Really? Yeah, I think that Buffalo uh, knows it needs to win. I mean, not that Cincinnati doesn't know it needs to win. But I think there's more pressure on Buffalo to win. I think they're going to thrive in that pressure. Um, and uh, but before we go, you know, and, and very quickly, LSU, Purdue, and two, we, we should at least tell what we think in there. I've already said with Duncan what I think. But LSU, Purdue, Tulane, and the Cotton Bowl against USC, what are your thoughts? I don't uh, I think Tulane might win. Really? Yes. I don't know why. going to beat Caleb Williams. I. I don't know if Caleb Williams is going to play. Why do people keep saying that? Don't you think if he wasn't going to play, he would have said it by now? I mean, it, no. he can say it whenever he wants. I play college I, bowl DFS, and it's miserable with these players that just come in for a couple of plays to quit. But um, I I don't think USC has the defense to stop Tulane. Okay. And I just I think Tulane wants it more. What I don't is, think USC has the defense to stop Tajay Spears, but I don't think anyone exactly. else I don't think anyone else in that offense really scares me. Pratt's pretty good. I mean, he's... I know he's pretty good, but this is USC. This isn't like you're playing. I mean, this is, I get you beat Kansas State in September and shocked the world, and nobody knew how good Tulane was. But if they played that game again, did we would we think that Tulane would beat Kansas State again in Manhattan? I think Alabama's going to kill Kansas State, but I know it's I, different. But, I don't disagree at all. But, <laughs> but I'm not talking about Alabama. Yeah, I, know. I don't know. I just I haven't. I don't know. I've been doing good with Tulane picks this year, and I I, I just all have right. a feeling that they're going to win this game. I, I don't know. Well, I'm going to say this. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. For for the first, well, I can't say for the first time, but I used to root against Tulane. Look, I, I'm an LSU guy. I'm born and raised purple and gold. I went to LSU. I just. I grew up when they beat LSU when I was a kid a couple times. It, it hurt like nobody's business. I heard it forever. 
I didn't root for him in 98. But you know what? I got a lot of Tulane friends now, that I, and I'm in my old age. I have changed my way of thinking. I'm literally rooting for Tulane. I would wear a Tulane shirt if, they weren't, if LSU wasn't playing at the same time and sit there and root for Tulane. But I just don't. It's USC. It's different. That, yeah, that LSU game, this I have no different. idea. There ain't no telling what's going to happen. Neither do I. And, I. and I wouldn't touch it except I, I think I like the under. Because I don't, yeah, I, I, I don't think Purdue's going to score a whole ton. And I think if L, LSU, I'm not sure they're going to cover 14 and a half. But under, I think it's 58. That's a lot of points. Yeah, I think I'm just going to watch that game. I ain't betting on it. But I am, I'm taking the Tulane money line and the points. I just, I, like I said, I just have the feeling that Tulane's going to win this game. All right, we'll see how it rolls. Uncle Big Nick, we will talk to you next week for the final week of the NFL. And I tell you what, I'm going to force pick next week. I am going to force pick. I'm going to pick the national championship game in some form or fashion, put it in my best bets, and you are going to do the same. Yes. That's that you wouldn't anyway. Yeah, you I'm can do, do derivatives if you want. I mean, whatever you want. It's your best bets. So. Oh, thanks. I get to do my own best bets. Whatever you want. That. Yeah, I mean, you, you can do whatever <laughs> derivatives you want. You can do the craziest, dumbest you know, I mean, player prop, whatever you want. Yeah, next week. yeah, it's like you know me or something. Yeah, because it's gonna come. Just prepare. <laughs> I'm preparing everybody else. All right, we'll talk to you next week, Uncle Big Nick. All right, you have a good New Year. You too. Happy New Year. Finishing out the year with some winners. Believe that? Well, look, I think I've only had, I think I had two losing weeks in my best bets. Take that for what it's worth. So that, we hope, doesn't change. That part of 2022 has definitely been good. So in the open, when I said 2022 sucked, betting part of it hasn't sucked. It's been a really good year for me betting-wise. I mean, I guess it's supposed to be, if I'm the damn sports betting writer, I'm supposed to get things right. I'm learning. I am still learning. I mean, this is something that, trust me, I'm no super genius prognosticator. I mean, I'm starting, I'm starting to understand more and more how the Sharps do these things, and that's how I've been successful, I think, in trying to keep it going. And we hope you stay along for the ride. But as we go forward, we're going to stay positive. We're going to be positive going into 2023. So when we talk to you, and by the way, programming note, our next show will be on Tuesday. Monday is a holiday. Uh, so, And besides that, we want to do a recap on the LSU and Tulane game. So uh, we have Saints, LSU, and Tulane recap on Tuesday. I'm not sure who my guest is yet. I will have a guest. Um, I may I may not do Derry's Dime. I may save it and have one big Derry's Dime when the season's over because I don't want to be depressing. I want to be positive going into 2023. Saints win, Saints lose, it doesn't matter. We're going to be positive because we don't stop believing here on Datitude. You believe that? I know. Okay, look. I know I've been Derry Downer here and there. Sometimes I stop believing, but only for a short period of time because it's a new year. We're going to have a new outlook on things. We're going to be Derry Upper. You believe that? I, I, look, if I start to be Derry Downer, you just go ahead and. Email me at jderry, uh, not at jderry, jderry at theadvocate.com, at Jim Derry Jr., whatever you want to do, whatever you want to say, but we're going to go as positive as we can possibly be. Saints, Eagles, LSU, Purdue, Tulane, USC, P. 
Pels against the Sixers, and then Memphis tomorrow. It is a fun weekend of sports. Let's hope we have at least two or three or four winners. And if everything goes right and we don't stop believing, maybe those Saints' odds for winning the NFC South will go from 3% to maybe 18%. Or there's 0% if it doesn't happen right. But we don't stop believing. Never. We're never going to stop believing until we don't anymore. But anyway, forget about all that. I want to wish everyone out there the happiest of New Year's. Stay safe. Avoid the idiots. That is my advice to you for New Year's Eve. Avoid the idiots. And if you have a little bit too much to drink, stay where you are with your friends, with your family, wherever you are. Call an Uber. Do whatever you got to do. Don't drink and drive. Telling you. That'll make you stop believing if you do that dumb stuff. So go enjoy it with the ones you love. And we will talk to you on Tuesday. Happy New Year, everybody. Peace and love, my friends. Son of a-